M.L. Elric in The Soul of Detroit. Starring Mark Fellhauer and Sean Windsor. That is not paid for by them. That is paid for by the people of Detroit. You might be qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay? You want to go right now, Albert? Well, these are trying times, and I I would be uh, I would be uh, remiss if I did not take a look back at last week and say, Mark, I have to compliment you on your fantastic Jason Statham and Dwight Yoakam imitations. I mean, in the intro and the, and the outro, those were uh, uncanny. I, I don't know whether you were particularly inspired or whether you came up with some sort of Adobe Salamophone, <laughs> no. but uh, it's pretty Sta- good. Statham's pre- he's pretty easy to do because he talk he talks so low. So yeah, but a- Dwight Yoakam completely different. Ah, Slingbait fan. It's great to be back with you all from our uh, our separate locations here for the Soul of Detroit. Mark Fellhauer bringing it all together from uh, the Nerve Center, and of course Sean Windsor from his garage, where uh, he would like us to believe he only goes to participate in the show, but I have it on good authority is where he spends most evenings. I'm just, I'm not going to say anything. I'm here for the eye candy and, uh, you know, some psychological support for you, Mike. And, uh, you know, that's about it. Well, Joe's the eye candy. Joe, thanks for, thanks for sweetening up our demographic. The young ladies on Facebook are enjoying, uh, the Joe show. So, uh, uh, the check is in the mail, except I can't go to the post office. So maybe I have to, they have to Venmo or something like that. But, uh, you can walk to the end of your driveway. I mean, gross point, you have mailboxes out there, right? So lift the little flag up, my man, and uh, you'll be fine. Just, just tuck it in the lawn jockey's hand. Is that what you're saying? No, put it in the box. You know, I remember. The fl- lift the flag up. Don't you? Can't you do that? No, no, no. I, I, I lift no flags. I'm, uh, I'm neutral. I'm the United Nations. I lift all people, but no flags. That's just my thing. Okay. So I want to thank our, our Facebook Live sponsors. You're watching us on Facebook Live. Please don't forget when you watch us on Facebook, you're only getting about two-thirds of the show. If you want to hear the whole show, please <coughs> excuse me, please download us. Uh, or if I may suggest, watch us on Facebook, share it, tell your friends, and then download us because we'll take the, the double bump. But our, our Facebook Live sponsor is Lindsay Broadwell of Broadwell Homes. When it's time to move into a new house, whether you're buying, selling, or both, you need to contact the agent that we recommend, and that's Lindsay Broadwell. Your home is one of the most valuable investments, and that's why we recommend Lindsay Broadwell. Lindsay started her career at Hall Financial, and now she's an expert in real estate, understanding all facets of the business. When it's time to move, our friend Lindsay will make sure you get the most out of your house and that everything goes smoothly. She can also find you a new home that will fit all your wildest desires. Buyers, sellers, even first-time buyers, make sure you contact Lindsay at BroadwellHomes.com, licensed, re- re- excuse me, licensed realtor at Remax Nexus. That's BroadwellHomes.com or call 248-767-7767. 
it's if, if self-quarantining and social distancing have made it all too clear to y'all that your house is just too damn small, Lindsay will help you right size and make a move that will save you money and maybe even your mind. That's broadwellhomes.com, 248-767-7767. Be sure to tell Lindsay that ML Soul of Detroit sent you. And everyone who buys a house um, from Lindsay this month, we are throwing in uh, a, uh, a free, um, a free uh, best wishes. That's on us. That's we're gonna, it? We're going to cover that out of our end. That's all so, you're getting? Well, you know, I gotta sometimes, say, ooh, sometimes just a little word of encouragement is all you need. Sean, back me up on this. I think we're a little bit worried about you right now, ML. We are a little bit worried, especially because, Mark, you and I know we've talked about this four <laughs> things. There it is. See, yeah, there you go right there. <laughs> Mike uh, is probably, you know, Mike has his house paid off. So when the economy truly, truly crashes, Mark and I are going to have to move in with Mike. <laughs> but if you, you know, keep going down this path in the infirmary, that's going to, you know, mess those plans up. So come on, man. What have you been well, doing? Because your eyes, you look very tired. This cough, you've had it all of 2020. Um, I don't know. Where are you? What have you been doing? Yeah, two I, letters. I, oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I want to hear the two letters. Yeah, I do too. T- TB. Tuber- tuberculosis. Tuberculosis. <laughs> yes, tuberculosis. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, you know, it lingers. I was going to say I, CV. I, I, I you were going to say what? CV for coronavirus. <laughs> I, I thought that was tight buns. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you did tell me one time you could play jacks off of them. So, you know. Yes. Just uh, don't lose the ball in an inappropriate place. Um, no, I, you know, I've had this cough for two months. My doctor assures me that it's nothing to worry about, although it won't go away. But, uh, but yesterday I did go and get tested at the city test site. And I'm going to be writing about that. Oh, and we're going to have a video of my experience at uh, freep.com. It was, um, I had a, a, a slight fever last Friday. There it is. I think, <clears throat> I think mainly the virus. I think it was mainly because of uh, my vertigo was kicking in, but I've been to enough press conferences with the mayor where he's urging being responsible and social distancing and, and not putting other people at risk and that everyone who's sick is going to make one or two people sick. So I decided to, not go to any of the press events on Friday. And I contacted my doctor who finally said, okay, if you got a fever, I'm going to write you a script for a test. So I went out to the testing site at McLaren in, um, in Mount Clemens. They had a drive up testing site. There were no lines, which was great, but they told me they're only doing medical professionals at that point. So I called the city's test site that, that number that, uh, that I've been writing about and that you can reach through, Quicken Loans Call Center mm-hmm. um, or Rock Finance. I get them confused all the time. Anyway, and I scheduled a test for yesterday, so I went and got tested. I will tell you, um, I'm not used to the city of Detroit working this efficiently, really? but my test was scheduled for 3 o'clock. I got there at 2.59. I'm also not used to getting someplace early, <laughs> even though a minute's technically only a minute early, but still early. Still early. Um, and uh, they got me right in. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was this was a uh, this was a seamless operation. They did a really good job. Um, they put one hell of a a swab up your nose. I'll tell you that it felt like the thing was looping around. I thought it was going to come out of my friggin' socks, but um, but uh, we'll know soon enough uh, whether it's a positive test or not. But for the last 
you know, 30, uh, 96 hours or so, I've pretty much just been sitting in my room and drinking, peeing, <laughs> sleeping, drinking what? Watching TV, Gatorade, water, yeah. whatever, you know, just they, they say you need to keep hydrated. But I'll tell you, uh, you know, I've never been a huge TV guy, but I never realized how much I hate watching TV. What? Until the past, the past weekend. It's just, it's just, oh. What's wrong with television? I love it. I think all things in moderation, it's just too much. I think, you know, I, I think people who eat ch- chocolate cake all the time would get sick of it pretty quickly, you know? So, uh, so it's just, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to everybody getting back to their normal routine, but I'm also concerned that that's not going to happen for many, many months. And, and in terms of where you guys can crash, if all this goes South, we actually remortgaged our house to help pay for those two houses in East Lansing. So if, oh. if, uh, <coughs> if the kids don't return to school in August, we're all going to be sleeping in Sean's garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of room here. And um, I, I don't know, Mark, maybe you should back me up this time. What the heck Mike with television, it's never been better. The quality and variety of television is, is never been like this. I, I know mean, your chocolate. There's movie quality stuff. Yeah. All over the place. Yeah. And your chocolate cake analogy is terrible because it's not like there's 4,000 different types of chocolate cake. Well, there's German chocolate cake. There's Are you going to name all 4,000? There's mint chocolate cake. There's, it's, an, uh, it's an endless supply. Yeah. Come on, man. Stories stories are essential. What was Joan Didion's uh, famous line, uh, the opening line? We, we tell ourselves stories in order to live. That's what television is. It's stories. It's not a sugary high that lasts for a couple of minutes from some delicious chocolate cake. And I love chocolate cake, but come on, man, you're talking about what we do. You're talking about why we gather. That's why we gather sitting around a fire talking. Wait, wait, watching TV is not gathering. Watching TV is, is sitting alone and, and watching other people live and, and do things. I'm, no, I'm no, a no. more it's a, it's engaged a person. It's too passive for me. I don't, I don't like to sit there and have things happen around me. But what you're saying is you don't like to listen. And I know that's hard <laughs> that for a change when you're part of a story, when you're watching a story that you actually have to take it in. And did, I you just, so- <laughs> did you say something? What was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come I, on, Mark. I, I got to tell what's you, going, though, if what's you, going on here? If you go on Twitter, Facebook or social media, like one of the biggest things over the past week has been the conversation about the Netflix documentary Tiger King, because everybody's home and everybody's watching it. And it is a way to communicate when you can't meet with people and talk to people. You, so you don't I, see the value in that. Here's the other thing is I've realized how much I, I hate not. my phone. I hate getting texts. Now I hate responding to emails. I just kind of feel like I want to unplug from all this stuff. I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, powerless, you know, that I'm just some extension of some device that, uh, that people can just, poke me anytime or, or throw something out there. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you, you, again, you don't want to listen. You would prefer to skywrite and have everybody <laughs> read what you're saying. And then just fade into the clouds. You know what I mean? No, I, I prefer to walk my damn dog around the block and have nobody be any of the wiser to it, but I can't even do that. You know, it's just, cause you're not feeling well. Well, I think, I think there's something and I, and I, I think this is, you know, one of the things that a, a lot of people we need to watch out for is, you know, a lot of people feel like this is some pretty heavy times and, and you want to be at 100%. You know, you want to be there um, for your family and for friends and things like that. When you feel like you're not at 100%, it's, you know, can be very depressing. What is your you neighborhood know? like? Are there people out and about and walking? Because in my neighborhood, far more people are out 
walking around or jogging or riding the bike. It's, I mean, the weather kind of blows right now, but last week they were all out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on a boulevard and I see lots of people walking their dogs, riding their bikes, taking their kids and, you know, those little devices that you, you attach to the back of a bike. And, uh, and uh, it's actually kind of nice. It's a more sort of a pastoral time where people are getting out and they're, uh, they're enjoying the fresh air which may or may not contain deadly pathogens. But, well, but, uh, but being in Detroit, I mean, everybody knows it's becoming this new epicenter of explosion. Uh, what, what is it like? What, do, what are people saying down there? Is there a general fear that, you know, 50% of people are going to get it? You know, my, my neighborhood is, uh, is pretty um, spaced out. You know, it's a lot of big, older yep. homes. So it's not like, you know, tenement conditions where everybody's on top of each other. But, uh, but it is funny. We do a lot of people here communicate on next door and you still get these posts that says, did anybody hear gunshots at such and such and such and such? <laughs> in fact, just before we went on the air, somebody posted something and said, did anybody hear these gunshots? And my mom called 911. I'm like, gunshots at 1130 in the morning on a, on a Tuesday. I mean, how bored are we? Um, but I think, you know, there's still nitwits out there, but it is, you know, for neighborhoods like this one, I think we're the, the, the danger for us is that East Warren Avenue, which is just starting to gain a little momentum and maybe starting to make a, a comeback is just stopped dead. You know, mm-hmm. there, whatever we finally, we've waited, you know, I used to work on East Warren Avenue when I was in high school and it was a pretty vibrant uh, commercial district. It's been more or less a ghost town for the last 20 years. It looks like we're finally starting to get some, <clears throat> some energy and some businesses open and some little restaurants and stuff. And uh, this fancy, <coughs> this fancy coffee shop called Red Hook that's in West Village yep. was trying to buy a, uh, an old pizza hut. Um, and uh, somebody wanted to turn an old Lutheran church into a Chipotle. And uh, people were excited about all that. Now nothing. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming those deals are, are completely dead. And I don't know, you know, momentum is one of the hardest one of the hardest things to, uh, to recreate. So I, I don't know if this sets us back or, or what, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a drag. The most important question right now, does Teresa know that she's in the background of your shot and does she know you're recording anything right now? Uh, <laughs> say hi for a second. Yeah, no, she's, she's, uh, she's, she's checking our inventory, which is, is good. We've got uh She's become our requisition sergeant. It's really funny how many uh, families here, they're coming together because they never see each other or they're getting really tired of spending time with each other. I mean, there's oh, well, no, there's no yeah, in between. The, the one thing you, you, we, we were talking to the mayor a week or so ago about, about crime statistics and uh, our, is crime going down? And he said, uh, uh, yeah, maybe a little, but nothing big. So then the next day in his press conference, said, well, we went back and checked and actually the crime statistics are down quite a bit which um, sounds like uh, good news, except really what's going on is police just aren't enforcing as many of the laws. You know, there's a lot of things that they're letting go just because they don't want to tango with people who are doing shithead stuff that isn't really that dangerous to other people. Nobody wants to lock anybody up. And so I don't know that (coughs) crime is necessarily going down so much as, uh, as uh, there's, you know, it's not being recorded. Although, he did say, and I've heard this in, in a few national commentaries, that the one crime category that seems to be going up a little bit is um, is domestic violence. Yeah, because everyone's home. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if you, if you don't get along during the best of times, or if, if your relationship is one where absence makes the heart grow fonder, ain't no absence now, man. There's, there's no place to hide. How many press conferences has Mayor Duggan been had? Like how often is he out there having a press Almost conference? Every day. And, and, uh, and they are going to start having basically a standing three o'clock press conference. They're now moving it to uh, one of the sheds at Eastern Market because they're trying outside. to do it in as big as area place and in a spot where, uh, you know, you don't have to touch doors. You don't have to go through security screenings where, um, where there's less chance for people to, uh, to, um, to, you know, get within six feet. And, you know, the last one I went to at city hall, I got there a few minutes before it started. Somebody who we should run in video for the city got there like a minute before I did. And as a young dude, and as he was setting up his camera, he's standing like, right in front of me. I'm like, my man, six feet, please, you know? And he's just standing there. So I got up and I moved to a spot that I thought was about six feet away, but there's still people out there who are not getting this. They're, they're in your space. They're, uh, I mean, I just, to me, I'm like, I don't want to get close to anybody. How has uh, Duggan's uh, tone or response changed over the week since he's been having more press conferences? Have you felt like he's done a good job? Um, you know, he does have this DMC background. How, how do you feel he's really tackled? Because Detroit is a mess with this uh, COVID-19. Yeah, and financially, it's going to be a real mess. The city's losing $600,000 a day just because the casinos are closed. So uh, so there's going to be uh, a pretty brutal reckoning. But, um, you know, the mayor seems to be pretty, um, pretty even keel. I haven't seen much change in his demeanor. The, the one thing that, uh, that showed kind of a flash of, of, uh, of uh, maybe the, the inner feelings was um, at a press conference a week or so ago, he was talking about, you know, he's now lost four people that he knows to the coronavirus. And, uh, and there, was a, there was a little bit of humanity that showed there, whereas most of the time, you know, he, he, he tries to present as, as a very business-like, you know, uh, efficient, competent manager as opposed to an emotional leader. He's not, he's not the guy who's going to give the big halftime speech that leads to a rally in the second half. But he is kind of more, I think, the Belichick guy who's going to come up with a game plan where if you execute it, you know, you're, gonna, you're probably going to win. But, um, but we've, <coughs> you know, we've tried to, uh, to get him – uh, to let his hair down a little bit and, uh, you know, it just, just doesn't look like it's going to happen and not just cause he doesn't have any hair. Wow. Ugh. And Sean, you had a column in the free press basically about how I guess we're all, uh, acting differently, at least in person, or ex- you said, I guess the headline was how it's exposing us. What have your travels in, uh, spacious Ann Arbor been like? Um, <clears throat> Excuse me, probably similar to where you are. Like Mike, I see a lot of people out walking and biking and so forth. I guess I was, what I wrote about, I was interested in this idea of how our digital selves are kind of warring with our our physical selves. And in other words, how we're interacting online in a lot of ways is very different from how we're interacting on a limited basis, obviously, when we're out in public, by and large. And at least that's been my experience. I have seen and read a lot about that being the experience of 
millions of others. I mean, just think about when you go into a grocery store, how mindful you are. And obviously you don't want to pick up a virus, but it's not just that you don't want to, you don't want to spread it either. Yeah. And just the, 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 the eye contact that's out there right now, because people's heads are up and we're not walking around looking at our phones and we're acknowledging other people and sometimes even giving a little smile or saying hello I, from six feet away. I, I got to think the acknowledgement of other people tends to be kind of suspicious. At least that's been my, uh, my travels. Like that person coughed. That person's not wearing gloves. That person doesn't have a mask. Yeah. You're, well, you're no, no, there's close. some of that. There's some of that too, yeah, for sure. Too close. Yeah. I went to Costco on Friday and it was eerie because a, no one's there, which is kind of bizarre at a Costco. Really? Yeah. It was kind of blissful in a way. Just nobody's there. But the eerie thing about it is the people that were there, nobody's talking. They're afraid to open their mouths. They're afraid to, you know, spread anything or take anything in. And uh, I didn't know that there's music in certain parts of Costco because you never hear it. Um, but it, uh, to me, it was just weird. And I felt like everybody's judging each other and what they've touched. And if this person's talking, it's it's a really bizarre time, obviously, to be out. I don't think that's any different than most people's experience. It I think seems, it's... It seems solemn. You know, like yeah. people walk around. They're almost, they're almost uh, <clears throat> shell-shocked, I think. You know, there's a... There's kind of a feeling of, you know, what the hell's happening, you know, like dreamlike. And that's that freaks me out because <clears throat> because I think it's going to get a lot worse. Well, it is going to get might, worse. But at, the, but at the same time, you're right. It is solemn. And I don't think it's just paranoia, though. It's it's not that simple. There's how, how many times if uh, well, I can't speak for you all, I guess. But in my life, I'm especially living up north, I've never had more people say, be well, stay well, stay safe. Mm-hmm. All of those sorts of things. I hear that every time I go out. I hear other people saying that to each other every time I go out. It's just, there's just a slight, it's an acknowledgement that we are in it together and we cannot survive without acknowledging the other in, in some way. I mean, we have to go and we have to mingle because we have to stay alive because we have to have food and drink to some degree. But, but we're also, we got to navigate that space together. And so far, and it may get worse, it hasn't been riotous really. Right. It's been fairly calm. Now, it's also solemn and it's also, you know, we're we're paranoid, too, for sure. But there's something else. There's a bit of grace out there right now that I don't think can be understated. I want to ask both you guys opinion on how journalism and the media has been covering this, because there has been a new thing that's been bothering me about. um, And it's just the nature of the beast. If it bleeds, it leads. There are so many stories out there about the people that have died and how horrific the deaths have been and young people, which I think it's good to point out that yeah, young people can die from this too. However, the death rate isn't that high right now that we know of. Um, I, I, I guess the, the point is so much of the news is negative. The thing that's really been bothering me is any medical study that has come out so far gets reported and there's so much contradiction. There just doesn't seem to be a unified voice either in the media, definitely not out of the White House, but uh, in the media, there just seems to be a lot of misinformation. I don't know if you guys feel that way or or how you feel about it. Well, well real quickly, Mike, I w- it, this is kind of what I was writing about. You said there's no, there's so much contradiction. We are spinning, we are fighting with each other, our political selves are at war with each other online. And and we, I think we put that aside at least to be able to navigate Costco and whatever. So that's that's one thing. But I... As far as what you're talking about, the death rate, I mean, that still doesn't take away the fact that there are refrigerator trucks outside of hospitals sure. in New York because the, the morgues are too full. So that's not a normal thing, right? So that, that obviously deserves to be reported on. And as far as the, the, the way people are dying, 
not being able to get to a funeral, having to die. And now I understand people, plenty of people die every day alone for lots of different reasons long before this virus. But it's uh, exponential now, right? Because people are dying and you can't get to them. Although I saw a story the other day, this is an interesting story, that they're FaceTiming now. So people are saying yeah. goodbye to their loved ones through FaceTime or through what we're doing right here. Wait a minute. We're dying? <laughs> you just are. just a call. If anybody's dying here, it's you. Zoom, 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 right? Yeah, no, I, I think one of the reasons why the, uh, I mean, this is a fluid situation. I mean, they're, they, they're now talking about maybe we have uh, a vaccine that's, you know, Johnson & Johnson is going to have something in record time. We'll see. Um, we don't have enough test kits. And now all of a sudden there's instant test kits. I mean, this this situation is changing overnight. But I, I do think one reason why they emphasize the projections of 200,000 dead or whatever it is, is because I think it's it's one way to to drive home that. And again, you know, we're not making these predictions. The media doesn't. Somebody somebody who's an expert makes it and then we report it. But um, but I think I think it's it's important to to keep in mind that you know if we've only had what five thousand, seven thousand, ten thousand deaths, but we're projected to hit two hundred thousand deaths, that that we have got to take this thing seriously and that we've got to uh, keep our guard up because you know as as horrific as some of these stories are, geez, oh, Pete's. You know that this is this is one of these things where <clears throat> the first to die will get profiles and obituaries in the paper, mm-hmm. and then after a while, uh, we're looking at mass graves. You know, I mean, we just can't keep up. There's there's no way to uh, there's no way to to document everybody who's gone because it's it's just you know there's there's no way. And and I I think about in on the media and too at some point the media are going to start falling out where they can't continue to do the stories because of, uh, because of illness or because, you know, they are have to self quarantine. I mean, until I get this test back, I'm, yeah. I'm self quarantining for a week, uh, you know, and uh, if I get it back and it comes back positive, then I got to self quarantine for two weeks. So I can't go out and cover stories. I can do some Facebook live stuff or I can, you know, monitor the city's, uh, cable channel and stuff. But uh, other than that, I'm working a phone in my bedroom. Um, and uh, does the free press have, I mean, there's got to be some reporters hitting the ground. How, 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 how are the editors and the free press handling the whole coverage of this? Sure. So everybody's remote. Um, and uh, I went in the newsroom um, uh, a few weeks ago after a press conference at, at public safety headquarters, mainly because I wanted to refill my, hand sanitizer bottles, but uh, <laughs> that sounds like but, you. Yeah. But there are three <laughs> large rooms that comprise the free press. Now, every single one of them was empty. There was one person working at the back of, uh, of uh, one of the newsrooms, but otherwise they were empty. It was, and I know we've lost a lot of staff, but that was, that was very staggering. And now, um, it's just announced that we're all going to be taking furloughs, um, that people are going to have to take one week a month um, where they're basically going to be laid off. But Mark, uh, real quickly, before we start talking about the, the business of this and how that might affect coverage, 
and the ramifications for people personally. Um, you mentioned the lack of a unified voice, right, and, and a unified message. I'm curious what you think. I saw yesterday the numbers, and I know they change every day, so maybe it's, it feels a little old even referring to yesterday. That's how crazy it is, right? But I saw yesterday the worldwide cases were pushing up toward 800,000. Sure. And the, the number in the U.S. was 170, 175, I can't mm-hmm. remember. That is a staggering percentage. It is. Now, obviously, there are a lot more cases than that everywhere, right? Not just in the United States. I mean, that, that 800,000 number is low no, compared yeah. to probably what there really is. But what do you think about the fact that we are almost 25% of the world's cases right now? That's at least 20. That's just, do you find that mind-boggling? Oh, well, of course it's mind-boggling. But then again, our, maybe we're better at reporting them than, say, China or Russia or some of these other states that, you know, countries that don't really have a good track record of honesty. Right. Uh, maybe we're maybe we're finally getting to the point where we're testing more people throughout this whole country. Um, I'm not really surprised by that at all because we are also a rich country where people travel overseas and travel domestically, and that's going to help the spread too. I guess my point was I, I feel like do most people know that so far the estimate is 98, 99% survive because I think – I feel like there's a lot of people out there that think they're going to get this and immediately going to have to go to the ER and then die, which it's a survive. It's a horror. I'm not trying to minimize it at all because from the very start, you know, I'm obsessed. I've been with watching maps and reading stories about it. I just think it, it, there's so much negativity in the news because it's the news that people sometimes forget that. Well, well two, I, 2%. Sorry, go ahead, Mike. Still I was just going to say that the statistic that that always blows my mind when I look at this stuff, and I, I have, I have heard anchors saying more. You know, ninety eight percent of people are expected to recover. They'll have only mild symptoms and they'll recover. But, um, but the, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't know that we lost sixty thousand people a year to the flu. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was like, we do what? You know, what I mean, I, I hate the I guess comparison. I never realized flu. how bad the flu was. Um, and uh, the comparison you know. to the flu, though, I mean, there's a vaccine for the flu and there's a one to one transmission where this is one to th- two and a half, three. So it is it is deadlier. It is easier to transmit. Yeah, Cor- yeah absolutely. The the um, what's the death rate with the flu? Like point uh, point zero point one point zero one point one point one, which is a huge difference from two percent. Right. So that's yeah. that's the other thing of doctors. And it's obviously, obviously a lot more contagious. So last week we we talked about supporting businesses and people who are still working. I want to I want to share something uh, with you guys that I got um, from uh, a gentleman named Matt Brisky. Um, he says I was listening to the new episode. I heard the part where you guys were talking about essential businesses that are still operating in the current shutdown. I want to give you a little background on our company services and how we can help companies who are still critical to our current situation. We are HP Forklifts, a family-owned and operated forklift repair and rental company that has been in business for 30 years. We have two locations, Saginaw and Sterling Heights. Uh, we've been designed, designated an essential service due to the fact that a good portion of our customer base are still operating, trucking companies, manufacturing, warehousing, et cetera. So we certainly appreciate that. We are struggling just as much as every other small business, but my father-in-law who owns it, has decided to pay all employees as long as the financial situation of our company allows, even the sales guys whose job virtually is non-existent at the moment. 
we are all grateful to him because most of the employees' spouses have either been laid off or have had their hours cut, including his wife, um, who's the, I don't know if she works for the company or not, but it sounds like, sounds like his father-in-law, if she works for the company, cut off his own daughter's hours. Well, that's tough. <laughs> but, um, but he says, so with all of that out of the way, I want to extend uh, or repair or rental services to any company that's in operation at the moment. Forklifts are essential to many companies currently open. And when those forklifts need repairs, it affects production. We are willing to help any company currently operating 24-7, no matter the location. Additionally, we will negotiate our hourly rate, repair rate, to help soften the blow of the expense in the crazy time. So that's Matt Brisky wow. of uh, HP Forklift. So uh, Matt, uh, thanks for letting us know this. Uh, thanks to your father-in-law for supporting the staff as long as they can. I hope you're able to continue to do that. And when we're back to normal, can you hook me up? I just want to drive a forklift around and pick things up. Pick things up and put them down? Yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. why not? I've never driven a forklift. It sounds like a blast. Uh, yeah, well, well, maybe we'll do some chicken fights on him or something. But, um, or a little, oh, you know. I don't want to ruin like, his forklift. I'm just saying. What if we did forklift Ben-Hur? Yeah, sure. Like put sounds... a basket on the front and we could, well, you know. Forklift something jousting. To uh, yeah, I think we have lots of time to uh, to work this one through. Yeah. Uh, I, I also need to thank somebody who's been supporting us. As you know, we don't take sponsorships from just anybody. And uh, even though we're picky, uh, we're losing some sponsors because everybody's everybody's shutting down their business. Hall Financial has been a sponsor of the Red Shovel Network and Soul of Detroit from the beginning, and they're still sponsoring our show. So we want to we want to pass along a question from our friends at Hall Financial. Are you paying more than four percent on your mortgage? Do you have lingering high interest rate credit card debt? You may or may not know that right now rates are within a fraction of a percentage point of their lows of the last decade. Smart idea would be to call the company with over 1,000 five-star reviews. It has recently been averaging 10 days from start to finish on listeners that have applied for refinancing of their mortgage, and that is all financial. It's a simple process, and it's no secret that saving money is smart. You can get started by calling 248-308-5000 or going to davidhallmortgage.com. If you want to check in to see if something makes sense for you, go to davidhallmortgage.com and get started or call 248 248- 308-5000, ask for Dan Morrison, and make sure to tell him that I sent you. Equal housing lender NMLS, 1467435. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. I'm dug in, and I'll never change. So I read Sean's column with great interest the other day about George Blaha and the time he spent in isolation. And he was talking about how much he misses Pistons basketball. Um, I'm not sure that a lot of people feel the same way. But <laughs> I, I do right I, now. Well, I'm, when I think of George Blaha, I think of Michigan State football. And I really miss college football, which should be kicking off in a few months. These guys should be getting ready for spring practice, all these other things. And of course, none of that's happening. And uh, I think we're all in a rush for things to return to normal, but uh, but I wonder are we are we trying to push things too quickly? I mean, should we be sitting back and saying we're just going to write off these seasons? There's no point in trying to uh, hold out hope that we're going to get going. The, you know, my my men's hockey league, they uh, our playoffs were supposed to end in March they now are saying, well, we're going to resume the season when we can. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
Yeah, the let's NH- just let's just call it a day, boys. NHL's done. I mean, the NBA. Who are they fooling? They're pretty much done. I mean, why not shut it down to when their season starts? Baseball is an interesting one. Do they start up in July? How much warm springtime? But I, but if you're projecting towards college football or the NFL, I, I, I got to tell you, I think they should. I think they should act like the schedule will start on time right now, based based on what we know right now. I would have no problem going to a game. At That's the big even house. if we don't have some breakthroughs in terms of inoculations or virus, uh, you know, vaccines. We're not going to have a vaccine. We won't have a vaccine by the fall. Hopefully, it slows down enough in the summertime, and we have enough masks and PPEs made and ventilators made to where the hospitals can maintain this a little better. I'm just saying, me, I would have no fear of going to a game. I know a lot. I know a lot of people will just have be scared to go out. But, well, why not go to a game tomorrow then if nothing's really going to change between now and August? It's all about the curve. You know that. <laughs> I just think, okay, remember after 9-11 what football took? And that's it, not the best analogy. I'll openly admit that. But football took a week off, and it was this unifying thing when it came back. What brings this country better to, than, than football, than the college football or the NFL? I just, I, and the idea of delaying it, and granted we don't know enough right now, I think is ludicrous. Actually, I would argue that it was, and and I like baseball, don't love baseball, but I thought it was the baseball playoffs that did it more than anything after 9-11. But here's the the problem with the fall. And I I understand, Mark, in a sense, there's no reason to cancel it yet. But the problem with the fall is that the scientists, if you believe scientists, and I think you do, um, especially uh, especially the head of the NIH, the the lovely Mr. Uh, Dr. Fauci. Yep. Is predicting that yes, we probably will get some containment this summer, and the hospitals will start to see the healthcare system will see some relief, and then it'll and and then it will likely start to spike again in the fall, somewhat like the flu, and um, and that's problematic. And you know, are they going to have rolling uh, sort of self uh, self quarantine, not uh, stay in place orders? Uh, you know, it seems to me we're going to have to shut it down, open it up, shut it down, open it up. You know, football is going to kind of be poorly timed in that way but but i'm with you in the sense that they shouldn't shut it down yet or say we're not going to have it yet well the myth of the student athlete is this is where that plays in because if universities are still shut down where nobody's coming back and living in dorms or doing it online there won't be a college football season because they do still pretend that they are students the nfl on the other hand it seems like it's business as usual the drafts coming up uh, they've had free agent signings. I mean, the biggest story outside of coronavirus has been Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't know whether to cheer the NFL for giving us something that we can be distracted by or curse the NFL for pretending like nothing is going on around them because the NFL does seem to exist as if it's the only thing that matters and is apart from the rest of society but uh you know in a lot of ways they're like government though you really hate them when everything's normal and moving but at a time like this who wouldn't want the nfl to do stuff i think they're a great distraction well sports in general right and that's the thing when you start thinking about times of upheaval in our society historically sports have, have been a way for for people to get through that obviously the entertainment business and movies um when move when you know when movies were invented but uh but it's weird that we don't have sports when we've always had sports. Nine eleven, that was what four or five days, six days. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have it. That was a blip. We're looking at um, not having sports for months and months and months. You really think so? You think it's going to be months? I saw the other day Wimbledon is going to. They are scheduled to be Wimbledon's what in July? 
Yeah. I think they're going to cancel that. Wimbledon's problem, though, is that it's this international tennis tournament where players come from countries from all over the world. Does the NFL really have that kind of problem? No, but Wimbledon has a a stadium that holds, I don't know how many, that's one of the smaller sort of grand stage stadiums. But even if there's seven or 8,000 people in that, or 10,000 people, I can't remember how many it holds, that's way too many. That's the issue. It's, I mean, obviously, yes, tennis players coming from all over the world, but it's the it's the people in the stadium that's the problem. Yeah, I, I think it's time to just call it a day with baseball. Baseball season, not going to happen. Time to shut down the NHL and the NBA. Refund us the tickets that we, uh, we paid for for the games we're not going to see. And uh, to me, the first, the first season that we might have any shot at, at actually pulling off would be college football in the, uh, in the, in the fall, but, but they're not going to be able to practice. You know, I mean, these kids aren't going to be able to get ready. This is, you know, are, are we putting them at, at risk of saying, go out in this full contact sport? Yeah. When you haven't been able to get fit, know the plays. I mean, I'm since when has the NCAA know. cared about that, cared about their players health. When when the players sue them, that's when they care. Yeah, that, yeah. When that happens, yeah. But you know what you could see. I don't know about you guys, but I could see at some point. I know the NBA hinted at this a couple of days ago, maybe. Having so when it's controlled to some degree, having televised sports with no fans. Now football would be trickier, maybe. Although maybe not because you have masks and so forth. Yeah. I don't know, but but you could see tennis. You could see baseball. You don't have to get that close to each other. Um, you could, uh, you know, it would, people would watch, I would bet you anything. People might watch a version, some version of some kind of spectator sport. They're watching replays right now of old games. I mean, it's, yes. it's crazy to yes. see that, but you know what? That's a bit of normalcy. The problem is I heard, um, I think 97 was running an old tigers game and I was listening to it and I'm just thinking, wait, the joy of sports is not knowing the outcome. <laughs> this is totally pointless knowing this game and who won. Which why would they be running a game that the Tigers lost anyway? I, I often wonder why anybody listens to ninety seven one anyways. But um, but uh, yeah, that's that's it's a little weird unless it's unless it's an epic game or actually I would I would listen to any broadcast uh, that involves uh, Ernie Harwell and Paul Carey or uh, George Kell and Al Kaline. Yeah. Hey, there's, there's some good people on ninety seven one. They can't just disparage the whole state. No, no, I'm just yeah. saying I I it's not for you him. Know, a lot of it, a lot of it is just nitwits calling in and saying, yeah. uh, "We ought to trade everybody and get uh, Bill Belichick, and then uh, maybe we'll get Jesus to play quarterback because he, <laughs> and then he could walk over everybody." And then uh, the Ford family, you know. Listen, I, I'm sorry. The, uh, you know, providing a forum for a bunch of know nothings to talk for hours and hours on end is just that. Just feels like. Um, that just feels like not a good like kind of, us anybody's time, <laughs> or at least we're informed. We we sort of know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark does. So yeah, hardly. So I'm going to say shut him down. I'm done. Wow. I'm, I'm I'm with with heavy heart. I say screw it. Oh man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork! Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? This is a difficult time, and it's a time that tries people's faith, and it's a time when they turn and find their faith. And so it's it's difficult um, when you can't go to church or synagogue or the mosque or wherever you go 
to appeal to a higher power to help get you through difficult times. So we're not here to criticize people who have strong beliefs and hope that those will carry them through. But we are here to criticize some jackass from the River Church mm-hmm. in, uh, in Tampa, Florida, who has bought into a lot of this sort of malarkey that's been peddled by, um, by Jerry Falwell Jr. at Liberty University and some other places where they are not buying into the social distancing, where they are encouraging people to congregate and put themselves in harm's way. So Rodney Howard Brown of the River Church in Tampa decided, despite the warnings, despite the law saying that you can't have people congregate more than 10 people, and if you got 10 people, they better be pretty pure, widely spaced out. He had church services on Sunday and was subsequently arrested. Now, you got to be careful when you have church and state mixing like that, but, uh, but when you're breaking the law, and when you're taking your loyal and faithful followers and leading them to danger, possibly to slaughter, that's some Old Testament bad judgment, my friend. So Rodney Howard Brown, you are Geek of the Week. I just want to point out first, Teresa, is very hard at work in your kitchen, in case you didn't know. I think she was making a sandwich behind you. <laughs> wow. I, uh, I hope it's not with that turkey I bought two weeks ago. <laughs> well, she's making it for you, so it probably is. Well, that's, uh, I think that turkey sandwich may be the one that finishes me off. Um, you know, we love hearing from you, and we love your suggestions at uh, mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com, or you can call us at 313 288 9070. That's Butterfield 89070. That's uh, John Darby reached out to us uh, with the email. It says, All right, ML, I bought the Atlas beer. Now play my song, Ghost Town by the Specials. Oh. Uh, this song actually did pretty well for the Specials. But when I drive around and I look around, I say to myself, You know what? This town is kind of like a ghost town. So, John Darby. You booked our guests in room 7609. The specials. Take it away.
So you've probably heard the big hit by the specials before, Message to You, Rudy. It's a a great tune. And uh, the specials were one of those those early um, ska bands in in, uh, England. Uh, Great band. I love the look with the the mod gear, the rude boy look with the pork pie hats, black and white suits with the narrow lapels, the suspenders, you know, the the flood pants and the white socks and everything. It was uh, it was as a, 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 a fashion as much as a music movement and political too, which is why it's kind of ironic that this band that was formed to try and bring black and white together to try and unify people actually didn't last very long because they were fighting a lot themselves. <laughs> and, uh, and they broke up while recording Ghost Town for an appearance on Top of the Pops. Oh. So, uh, so you know, uh, so much for the specials. But um, uh, very, very influential band. They had some, some pretty noteworthy backup singers on their first couple albums. Uh, a young woman named Chrissy Hind. Really? You probably know from the Pretenders. Yeah, great. One of the best female voices ever. Yeah, and and this one, in fact, I bought I bought my Chrysler in uh, Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, <laughs> where uh, the whole time I was there, I was thinking, isn't this the Chrissy Hong town? But dun, um, dun, 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 dun. and the city was still there actually, so yeah. I don't know. We have to check Chrissy's uh, uh, veracity there. But other, and this is this is the the backup singers that really surprised me: Belinda Carlisle, Jane Wheedlin, and oh. Charlotte Coffee from the Go Go's. Yeah. So I don't know how they got from L.A. to England, but. Um, but quite, uh, quite the genealogy there for the specials, uh, fellows. Have you heard that song before? I, Any? I, I had not. I, I I really like ska though. I'm you know you know how I feel. I, I like horns. I think they're better in synth synthesizers, yes. um, which kind of surprised me. I didn't know if that that fit the room um, seven six zero nine feel. But no, I, I dug it. I this song, by the way, apparently was a huge song in the UK because it was all about their early eighties recession. And the right. financial troubles, and it was a song of the year, I guess, by a lot of magazines over there because of its political message. Well, it's it's a little dirge like, but it, it certainly <laughs> it certainly captures the mood um, that we're feeling right now. I'd say, Amen. Sean, any thoughts there from the People's Republic? <laughs> no, it's uh, it sounded nice, and I thought uh, the suggestion was lovely, and the idea of togetherness. So that's about what you'd expect from the People's Republic, right? It's I'm, all about unity out there, man. Well, it's about unity everywhere, my man. I'm gonna my guess, brother. I, I'm going to guess think, it, there wasn't enough soul for you, though, because you're very soulful. Well, I'm not really that soulful. No, I, I liked it. It, okay. it was nice and uh, goes well with Altus beer. And what else will you need to say? Amen. Yeah, so so we, uh, we appreciate that, John. If you have a suggestion for Room 7609, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Let us know. Uh, we'll give it a consideration. Consideration, And I also want to give a quick shout out before we go to our friends at Zot Ford. Um, the dealership is closed right now. They're not, they're not selling cars, but they are continuing to service vehicles. They will pick up and deliver vehicles that need service. For those people who prefer not to leave their homes but need vehicle maintenance done, so if you need something done, reach out to Zotford at dealsinthed.com. Uh, contact Anthony Ketchum or Steve Gabara. Uh, they'll do what they can to help our listeners out. These are challenging times, and by working together and looking out for each other, we will come out sooner than later and maybe even stronger than we started. So we've always appreciated Zot's support, and we appreciate now that, uh, that they're supporting those of you who have a need 
to keep your wheels on the road because uh, because you still can drive. But I will just tell you, based on my experience, if you can stay home, stay home. Um, we have a few favors to ask before we before we let you go. First of all, we're hoping you'll subscribe to the uh, podcast. Um, the reason I asked that is because Facebook, which sucks, will not let us post mlsoulofdetroit.com on Facebook for and, some reason. And not only they that, say it violates the community standards. They won't give us an answer as to why. Um, well, given Facebook's community standards, I guess it's because we're not Russian trolls who are trying to ruin democracy. Or we're not murdering um, people live, I guess. Yeah, or I guess we're not fake videos that that Facebook knows are fake but have been paid to post, so so that's okay. So, uh, so yeah, so thanks, Facebook. But if you subscribe to the podcast, you'll never miss an episode. Of course, we appreciate if you rate us, uh, if you don't mind sharing us. If you'd like to donate, we'll uh, we'll take your money, Mark. How do they do that? Uh, MLSoulOfDetroit.com, right at the top little button. says donate, takes you right to PayPal. Um, right now, we'll take any, any, anything anybody can spare. Yeah, and believe it or not, we've had a couple of donations. We had a very generous donation, so we want to thank you guys oh, wow. for that. We know there's a lot of good causes out there that uh, they could use your money. Um, if we make the sure. cut, we, we appreciate it. Sure. Um, and also, uh, if you're not if you're not straight up charity, I understand. Uh, how about you buy something, and yeah. uh, and we'll give you something for your money. Um, Mark, what kind of awesome swag do we have, and where do people find those incredibly reasonably priced products? You can find uh, t-shirts, uh, your books, some stickers. Uh, are there hockey jerseys left? I haven't checked yeah. lately. Oh yeah, I think we still have hockey jerseys left. And those, those are pretty sharp hockey jerseys. Not that you can wear them to play hockey with anybody. That's right. right. Now, it's but, as close uh, as you'll you'll come to getting in the game. You can get them all at drewandmikestore.com. So thanks, everybody, guys. Thanks for joining us, Joe, Sean, Mark. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, next week, we'll let you know. Whoa, Whoa. Look out. Thanks uh, to, uh, what's the dog's name? I forgot already. Tobias. Oh, he's, uh, thanks, Toby. He's, he's exuberant. So that's probably a good sign for us to get out of here. Um, <laughs> please, uh, please keep listening to the Red Shovel Network. That includes the No BS News Hour with Charlie LaDuff, No Filter Sports with Denny, Bob, and, uh, and Eli. The Drew and Mike Show, which is available every day, all on the Red Shovel Network. Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Red Shovel Network Production.